wondered just what role music plays in your worship. Perhaps you even chose the church you attend because you like the music, but what relationship does that music have with your worship? Today we're going to consider the question of precisely what is supposed to take place in worship in the music of the Christian church. Welcome to the Orthodox Christian Hour. The Orthodox Christian Hour is brought to you by St. Anthony Orthodox Christian Church, 4321 Eastgate Mall, in the University Town Center area of La Jolla. In a moment, the pastor of St. Anthony, Father John Braun. But first, a bit about Father John. The son of a Presbyterian minister, Father John spoke to literally thousands of college students all across the U.S. and Canada as he worked with Campus Crusade for Christ. Later, he would join seven other courageous evangelical Protestants involved with Campus Crusade who risked stable occupations and security in a search for the historic church founded by Jesus Christ. Amazingly, all came to the same conclusion that the historic church exists today in the Orthodox Christian Church. Father John, as you will hear, is a gifted speaker and authority on Old and New Testaments. His journey has included being director of the Department of Campus Ministry for the Archdiocese and starting many new churches through his work in the Archdiocese Department of Missions and Evangelism. In 1994, he was the founding pastor of St. Anthony Orthodox Church in La Jolla. Today, the Orthodox Christian Church is the second largest Christian church in the world, with over 300 million members worldwide. Father John. It was the Apostle Paul who said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. There is a great deal that is taking place in our country in terms of Christian music. Now, I suppose that most everyone likes the music that he experiences in his or her church. The question really isn't, do you like the music in your church? Or do you like the music that you use, religiously speaking? The questions are two. Number one, does God like your music? Or I could expand that to say, do God and all the heavenly hosts like your music? And secondly, does your music accomplish what the Bible says it's supposed to accomplish? Now, I've heard many people say that the Bible is their only rule of faith and practice, but when it comes to their hymnody or to the music they sing, they don't seem to pay a whole lot of attention to that. Again, what St. Paul said was, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. This is the Orthodox Christian Hour, and on the Orthodox Christian Hour, we talk about, at least sometimes, about Orthodox Christian music. In the Orthodox Church, music is aimed at teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, and it is also used in terms of worshiping the All-Holy Trinity. Now, it is extremely important that music not be used in the church simply for entertainment purposes. I know there are many Sundays people go away from church and they say, Oh, wasn't that a wonderful service? Wasn't the music so fine? You know, it really isn't an issue of whether the music was fine or not, though we don't want music that's poor. The question is, did the music that you used today in your church accomplish what God wanted it to accomplish? And did it accomplish what it is supposed to do in your midst? 
You're listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour featuring Father John Braun. I know worship is important to most people listening to this broadcast, and most of you probably like the music of your church. But music isn't something that we just deal lightly with. For worship, music has some requirements that need to be considered. Today we're going to interview a an Orthodox priest, Father John Finley, from Santa Barbara, California. Father John is a musician, and he has spent the last 25 to 30 years of his lifetime working with music and worship, as a matter of fact, even before that. So today we're going to welcome with us Father John Finley from Santa Barbara, California. He works with the Department of Missions and Evangelism of the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese in North America. He works planting churches and helping young churches get a good start. Father John, we'd like to welcome you to the Orthodox Christian Hour. It is nice to have you here today. Thank you very much, and I'm, I'm also happy for the opportunity. Now, Father John, I have some questions. First of all, we need to know a little bit about you. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. And in letting the cat out of the bag, I'm going to let the listeners know that you're the son of a Southern Baptist minister. How do you get from being the son of a Southern Baptist minister to being a priest in the Orthodox Christian Church? Well, they probably already thought something was unusual when they heard my accent when I said hello. So, You're an Okie. I know that. <laughs> so I was born in uh, God's country, right near the buckle of the Bible belt. Um, I was born in McAllister, Oklahoma, and yes, indeed, my father is a retired Southern Baptist minister, and he is living in retirement in, in Nashville, uh, Tennessee right now, uh, along with my mother. But uh, I didn't have a bad experience growing up. You know, I didn't have any real legit reasons for leaving the Southern Baptist Church. I had a good time in the Southern Baptist Church. I grew up in, you know, our, our church was a neighborhood uh, church. I lived a block from um, Trinity Baptist Church in McAllister, Oklahoma. I can remember uh, with fondness walking back and forth to church. I'd love to be able to walk back and forth to church <laughs> today, but I have to drive a ways. Um, I had a, a lot of uh, friends and uh, good experiences. I, I wasn't really uh, outwardly rebellious towards my parents. I always went to church. and In fact, when I was uh, 15 years old, we, uh, uh, we used to go through uh, music leaders, song leaders like water. You know, about every other year we had to replace them. <laughs> and we kind of gone through everybody we could think of in that small town and uh, couldn't come up with anybody. And so my dad asked me if I would lead the music. And so at the age of 15 years old, I started leading the music uh, in, in my dad's church. And uh, I think ever since that time, I've always uh, known deep in my heart that I wanted to serve God uh, in the church. But I came to a point during my college career, I uh, was a student at Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee studying music, uh, music theory and composition. I just felt like there's got to be something more to the Christian experience than what I'm experiencing. Not that it was bad. It was just like it seems like there's something missing. And it may have been part of the fact that I, I was exposed to so much good music in school, a lot of really good choral music, uh, you know, Latin uh, masses and, and things like this, the Sanctus and, and the Agnus Dei and, and all these big songs. And I thought, well, why don't we ever sing that kind of stuff in, in my church? Uh, and so I, I had this longing and I had the opportunity to really go after whatever that missing piece was. Uh, I later found out that it was, uh, as you introduced the program, it was worship. I mean, not, not to say in an accusatory manner that Southern Baptists don't worship God, but <laughs> I don't mean that at all. But I, what I mean is there is a deeper dimension or we, we might even say a, a higher plane of worship than what I was experiencing in the Baptist church. Now, let me ask you this question before you go on. Now, I want you to get to how you got from being a Southern Baptist uh, pastor's son to being an Orthodox priest. 
but I want you to be very specific on the on the issue of do you feel that the music it has anything to do with worship? I mean, was this just preference that you liked highbrow music that you wanted to sing the the Sanctus or you wanted to sing the Agnus Dei or you wanted to sing the great composers? Or was there something spiritual involved in this? Did this have anything to do with your personal relationship with God and the way you worship him? I I believe that it did. I don't think at that time I could have articulated that. I think it was something that was deep down. And, uh, you know, like many others, I would tend to gravitate towards a church that I like that music, and I didn't necessarily associate it with worshiping God, or, uh, but but just that I I liked it and I liked the experience. You know, the Southern Baptist is very experience oriented, personal experience uh, oriented, and how is this uh, affecting me? Whereas uh, uh, when when I started uh, discovering the Orthodox faith through uh, some men who had formerly been involved in Campus Crusade for Christ, one of whom was you, and uh, uh, began to study the Orthodox faith and, and the worship, I began to realize that, that we were that, that we're entering into something much bigger than us, that, that we're, we're becoming involved in the music around the throne of God that's already going on eternally and that we need to join that. Now, now, pursue that a little bit, because I'm sure that this may be a relatively new concept or perhaps absolutely brand new to some of our listeners here at KPRZ. Tell us, what do you mean by joining into something like that? Well, like, for instance, you, you read in the book of Revelation that uh, the, and, and, and from Isaiah chapter 6, We'll start there. Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah has his vision of heaven, and uh, the smoke filled the temple, and he heard the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. And, and then again, we, we see this same scene described by St. John in his vision of heaven when he was uh, taken up and saw the angels around the throne singing, Holy, Holy, Holy art thou who are uh, almighty and everlasting. And so as I began discovering these, what some people might call highbrow songs, I was discovering something else at the same time, and that is that the worship of the church is actually uh, an entering in uh, to the heavenly plane and entering into the heavenly holy of holies and joining with what's already going on uh, eternally at the at the throne of God. So I need to join. I need to join into that rather than just reflecting perhaps what is relevant to the culture around me. Would you say that's kind of a flip flop from what you experienced before and perhaps what I experienced before in that? We really did kind of expect heaven to join in with us on earth. And what you seem to be saying is, no, it's the other way around, that heaven is expecting us to, from on earth to join in with them in heaven. Well, I think that we can look at it in retrospect and maybe say that it was a flip-flop. On the other hand, I think as a Southern Baptist, I didn't even have a concept of heaven coming down to me. <laughs> it was just... It was just all personal testimony, personal experience. This is my experience with Jesus. This is what Jesus did for me. This is what I want to ask Jesus to do for me. And, uh, and so it was, it was, if it would be fair to say, and I don't know if it's fair, but the, the, my experience in the Baptist church was more testimonial than it was worship. Now, Father John, uh, there are some listeners now that are asking this question. I can promise you, and you actually know this. They're asking right now, wherever they're listening, in, either in the car or at home, they're saying, now, but what do you think now about Jesus, Father John? Uh, has that changed? Are you still interested in Jesus? Well, I can tell you that uh, recently I took a, a train uh, trip from Santa Barbara to to uh, San Diego, and I spent the whole time 
uh, reading the hymns of the church, which are all scripturally based. And I had my Bible out there and, and this hymn book out on, on the train uh, reading it for, for six hours. And at one point I was almost uh, in tears over what I was reading and I had to hide my face because I didn't want anybody to see whether I was crying or not. Um, so yes, the answer is yes, I'm still interested in Jesus Christ and I'm still interested in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe that that has grown immensely during the period of time that I've been exposed to the Orthodox faith and the Orthodox worship. Now, I want, I want to get to some music here. I mean, to actually uh, hear some music that's, that's Orthodox Christian music, because as you know, most of our listeners will have never heard anything that, is, uh, that we could call Orthodox music other than the introduction to this program uh, that they right. heard today. And uh, they're going to want to hear some music. And since you're a musician... Uh, we'll actually get to some music, but I need to ask you one other question. What caused you to make the change? Why did you be actually become Orthodox? Well, I think in a word, obedience. Uh, I, I, I always wanted to be obedient to God, and, uh, and I, I don't mean to imply by this that uh, anyone who doesn't make the same decision that I make is uh, automatically a disobedient to God. I, I'm, I'm not trying to... Uh, it, it seems like that so often when I try to give my personal testimony that people will take the converse and try to apply it to themselves, and I don't mean for anyone to do that. But I, I, was, I was searching to be uh, obedient. And I felt that as I was uh, discovering the Orthodox faith, I remember Father Richard Ballou, uh, who was one of my teachers and, and still is, made this uh, statement that uh, if the Orthodox faith was like a river and the mainstream of what everyone had always taught and believed and observed throughout the, the, the centuries of the church was, was uh, uh, out in the middle of the stream, you know, I'd want to. I w would want to go out into the middle of the stream and go down that stream rather than staying off here on the edge. And so, this is a kind of obedience that I, I'm talking about. We we discovered this hermeneutic of Saint Vincent of Lorenz. You know, to uh, believe that which has been believed everywhere, always, and by all, uh, or uh, universality, antiquity, and, and consensus. And so I adopted that hermeneutic. And when I adopted that hermeneutic, then I was no longer the center of things. And, uh, and that uh, God and the uh, faith of the apostles and the tra tradition of the church became something that I needed to be integrated into. Now, when you use the word hermeneutic, that's sort of a $50 word or maybe a $50,000 word. You mean your, your system of interpretation, how you see and understand things. Well, I just wanted to intimidate somebody in the audience to make them think I know something more than they do. Oh. <laughs> no, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't be tossing around those kind of words. Yeah, it's a, it's a system of, how, of, of interpretation. Now, let's talk about worship and music with respect to worship. What is the role of music in worship, historically speaking? Now, I understand the role of worship in, uh, of music in contemporary worship, which borders on entertainment. Now, I, I, don't mean, I don't mean that in an accusatory way either, but I think almost everyone would, would agree that we like to be somewhat entertained. But I think every listener would say, but that's not the issue. What is the issue in music and worship? Well, I've, I've struggled with this question for all of my adult life, and uh, the best answer I've been able to, to come up with is this. We need to make audible the inaudible music of heaven. In other words, that song of the angels that we read about in Isaiah 6 and, and, and in the book of Revelation uh, we, we can't hear that with our physical ears, but uh, we have a set of spiritual ears, I think, spiritual eyes and ears and a spiritual heart. And if somehow we can, in a physical way, a musical, audible way, make that 
uh, music audible to us and enter into that, that is the role of music in, in the church. Now, I, I think what has to happen here is there's got to be a, an example, a demonstration. Mm -hmm. So I've asked you to bring some music today to play for our listeners, and I want you to, to play for them something. I want you to give a, an example of a piece of orthodox music that relates to worship. You can take your pick. You take mm -hmm. your choice. But, but let's give the listener an example. There's a piece that, that comes to mind for me. It's from our uh, Vespers service. And Vespers is, uh, simply means evening. It's the Greek word for evening. And so it's our, our evening service. And there is uh, a hymn that we sing uh, each Vesper service based on uh, Psalm 41, 42, 129, and 118, I believe. Uh, but anyway, these are the opening verses, and they're sung by uh, a trio of sisters, uh, and the name of the group is Ikona, which means in, in Greek, icon, like we're made in image and, uh, and uh, likeness of God. So this is, let my prayer arise. Lord, I have cried out to you, hear me, hear me, O Lord. Lord, I have cried out to you, hear me, receive the voice of my prayer when I cry out to you. John, I don't think that was a tambourine that I heard in the background. Uh, and for the sake of the listener, I think what I heard was that you're one of these smells and bells fellows, and that that was actually a censer. 
and that there was some smoke billowing up here. Uh, you can start wherever you'd like to on this to tell us about this piece of music. Well, I was just going to try to slip that part in subliminally, but uh, you caught it early on. Yes, as a matter of fact, that was uh, an, an incense burning device that we use in, in worship. is called a censer, and uh, it has bells on it. So, smells and bells. And uh, as long as we're there, why don't you tell our listeners, why incense? Why do you do this? Again, go back to Isaiah 6 and the book of Revelation. You know, I, um, in, in my missionary work, uh, I run across a lot of people who are new to the Orthodox faith and our worship. And I had a friend um, who was a, a serious uh, inquirer into the faith up in Modesto, had her brother and her family uh, and his family come. Uh, I wasn't there that Sunday, and so we were communicating through email, and she said that he seemed generally positive, except the incense made him choke, and his ears, uh, his uh, eyes teared up. <laughs> and so uh, I commented to her jokingly, I said, Go tell him to read in the book of Revelation where they're offering incense up and tell him that if he wants to stay in heaven forever, he better get used to it. Also send him a bottle of Visine, you know. So uh, it's there. It's there in the past. It's there in the present. It's there in the future. If I'm not mistaken, didn't the prophet Malachi say that incense would be offered in every place? Every place. So incense is really a new testament issue not just an old testament issue and a heavenly issue is what you're saying that's right and one more thing before you tell us about that piece of music uh, you said you're a missionary i didn't think orthodox believed in missionaries <laughs> i'm a missionary to america <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> i remember i remember way back when this was the early 70s um and i was reading i i uh, a friend of mine asked me to read no it was my brother asked me to read this book and it was called one body in christ by boxing of india and i in, in this book uh there was a picture of boxing getting off of an airplane at the san francisco air airport and it said boxing missionary to america and I was offended by I was offended by the by the portrait and by the caption. I mean, who who would be so arrogant as to think that America needed a missionary? And now you're one. And now I'm one. <laughs> <laughs> then, Father John, tell us about this piece of music that uh, we heard from Ikona. Well, if you listen to it, I mean, it doesn't sound like the Beach Boys, right? So. Uh, it, it, it sounds like something else. It, it's, it's coming out of a, a different culture. And uh, I like to think of that culture as not simply just the Middle Eastern or Greek culture, but the culture of the kingdom of God. What we're, what we're trying to reflect with our music, as I said before, is a, uh, the, the culture of the kingdom, not of this world. And so I... Whereas many church musicians or Christian, they probably wouldn't want to call themselves church musicians, as many Christian musicians are interesting in expressing the gospel in terms culturally relevant to the, uh, the times they live in, I'm more interested in reflecting music of the culture of the kingdom of God, not of this world. Now, that's what you mean by it relates to worship. Are you suggesting, or are you doing more than suggesting, that the culture of this world really can't offer the music that we need for worship? Or how do you feel about well, that? Well, let's put it this way. The Bible it clearly teaches us that when we become Christians, when we accept Christ, when we are baptized into Christ, that we become citizens of the kingdom of God. And so... I'm, I was born in the United States of America. I'm an American citizen. But because I'm a Christian and because I've been baptized into Christ, I am also a citizen of the kingdom, not of this world. You might say I have a dual citizenship. <laughs> now, when it comes to worship and worship in the church, 
and the music that helps us to worship in the church, the music uh, has got to be culturally relevant to the kingdom not of this world. And so what does that sound like? So in other words, if I'm hearing you correctly, you would not be too comfortable with uh, Christian rock and roll being used for worship. Well, to, to put it bluntly, um, and this may be offensive to some people, but I'm just, I, I'm telling, I, I'm speaking to this uh, in generational terms because I'm a baby boomer. You know, I was born in 1953 and we, we reinvented everything for our own generation, including church. We reinvented church for our generation. And, and uh, I, am, I am a musician. I am a trained musician. I have two degrees in music. I have a, a, a degree in musicology. In other words, studying musical history, musical phenomena, and, and, and such. The music of most of evangelical and Protestant churches is basically stuck in the 70s. In the sound, in the in the cultural pop sound of the seventies, that's basically where it's stuck. And uh, now it's out there; it's pushed a lot out out there more in terms of the concerts that are done by groups. I mean, if you listen to a contemporary Christian music station, and you listen to the groups, and you go to the, the Christian concerts, they're more out there on the edge. I mean, they're uh, right out there at the twenty first century. But I'm saying it's stuck in, in terms of most of the kind of choruses and feel-good songs that are done generally in the worship services on Sunday morning is 70s music. And so what, how, what, what's particularly redemptive about that? I can tell you what it is. It makes the baby boomer generation feel good. And you're one of them. And I'm one of them. I've heard some of your music, by the way, that... Uh... Uh, since we've known each other for many years, I've heard some music that you wrote. I think you would call yourself more of a composer than a performer. And, but I've heard you do both. I've heard you perform music that you have composed, and I would say, yes, that was probably 70s music. Uh, but I want you to go back to this piece that we just heard, this Lord, I Have Cried. You do this every service? Isn't it boring? Why do you, uh, you know, because that's a criticism that any liturgical right. church, and we are liturgical, mm -hmm. any liturgical church is going to be called boring because we repeat. You repeat this at, at your evening services every time? Well, the text we do, you know, the text is the same. We have eight different ways that we would sing this song. We have what we call an eight-tone system in our church. And uh, they're all different uh, scales or different kind of sounds. And so there's eight different ways that we would sing it depending on, on the week. So there is some degree of variety there. But uh, I think in terms of talking about the repetition that, that you're referring to, um, I would have to say that for me personally, uh, repetition means uh, building strength. And, you know, because this is true in athletics, you know, people ask me, you know, they say, well, I went to your church and it seemed like all you ever did was say, Lord, have mercy all the time. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. And my response to that is, okay, you're an athlete. You're into athletics. So are you going to go to the gym and do one push-up? Are you going to go to the gym and, one, and, and, uh, do, or, and go in the pool and, and swim one lap? Are you going to go to the stadium and run one lap around the course? No, you're going to go over and over and over because you're building up your body. And so, uh, you know, if I'm going to take barbells in, in, in my hands and I'm going to do curls, how many curls am I going to do? Well, to me, it's Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy. I'm building up my spiritual strength by doing things over and over again. I don't want to come back in the church and be surprised you know, by what's the ser what's the service going to be today? And I imagine you would compare that uh, to a golfer. Uh, 
a bad golfer, I don't know a whole lot about golf, but a bad golfer, I think, is a golfer who uh, gets very spontaneous with his swing. Uh, where That's right. every time he swings, he tries to do it a different way. Let's try something different today. And Let's the go good out golfer of has learned a swing that works every time. And now, Father John, let's let's pursue this a little bit farther. And by the way, for those of you who may have just joined us, you're listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour, coming to you from the St. Anthony Orthodox Church in San Diego, California. I'm Father John Braun, and I'm in, interviewing Father John Finley, who is from Santa Barbara, California, and who works with the Department of Missions and Evangelism for the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese, of North America. He's a missionary and uh, he works in establishing uh, new parishes but he also works in helping young churches get them get their feet really wet well in the music that they use. Father John take us to another piece of music. What else can you offer us as far as worship and music? You're listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour featuring Father John Braun. Father John, I really like that. Uh, I love Ikona. I've heard them sing before. And I want you to tell us now, where is this used and why? Okay. The name of the tune, or the name of the hymn, is O Gladsome Light. It's one of the uh, oldest extant uh, hymns that we have in the church. It's from the third century. Uh, it's sung right in the middle of the Vesper service. The Vesper service revolves basically around four themes. Uh, the first being that of the creation and, and uh, acknowledging the goodness of the creation that God made. We, we do that with uh, Psalm 104, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great. And then we go into the Let My Prayer Arise, which uh, we played here earlier, that expresses the theme of uh, the fall uh, from the goodness of the creation and our repentance. Let my prayer arise before thee. I, I cry out to thee, but Lord, bring my soul out of prison that I may give thanks into thy name. And so we're, the, these are the psalms that we're using. And then we move into this hymn, the theme that revolves around this hymn, O Gladsome Light. Who is the O Gladsome Light? It's Jesus Christ. When God became a man, redemption came into the world. And, uh, of course, we celebrate this at Christmas time, and so it's an, uh, such an awesome thing. But yet, is the incarnation something just for Christmas? Is something for every day of my life, every moment of my life, if I'm a Christian? And so, <clears throat> so gladsome light of the Father, you are the sacred, celestial, blessed Jesus Christ. And so uh, we come to the setting of the sun, seeing the evening light, and that is a manifestation in calling our hearts and minds to worship the one true light of God, the, the, the Son of God. 
Now, Father John, let me ask you this, just because uh, I, I think I know the answer, but I think the folks listening would like to know the answer too. You sing this at Vespers, and now that we have come to the setting of the sun, uh, I think you might be able to tell us a little bit. We treat the clock and the calendar a little bit uh -huh. differently than some do. So what actually, uh, in regard to clock and calendar, what's happening right okay. now when we sing Gladsome Light? We're, I we're inaugurating the new day. At night? <laughs> well, if somebody doesn't like it, they can take it up with God because he started it when he said in evening and morning we're day one <laughs> right? and, and one so day. In each day it was evening and morning evening and morning and we know that if we study the jewish uh tradition in the jewish calendar that the day was inaugurated in the evening and um there's nothing that christ did that uh annulled that after the new covenant you know it's not it's not like we that something got reversed in terms of that order and so we continue on in this liturgical continuity and we see it in the eaves the eve of feast you know what's halloween halloween it's all hallows eve inaugurating the november the first which is all saints day in the western churches and uh so hallowed all hallows eve the evening before inaugurates the feast christmas eve what's christmas eve I mean, we have, we're, we're already inaugurating the services and the celebration of Christmas by having this Eve. So uh, on Saturday nights in our church, uh, I mean, we can do this every day. We're not always, you know, physically <laughs> up to it, but at least on Saturday nights we have the Vesper service that inaugurates and begins and ushers in the Lord's Day, Sunday. And that way it puts us in control of the calendar instead of the calendar in control of us. I kind of like that, mm -hmm. that we decide not midnight, but that in our worship, we decide, we determine when the day changes. And right. we're, not, we're not locked into a, a 60 second, 60 minute, 24 hour day. Now, I know that's not super crucial, but it's also nice to know that when it comes to worship, that we are the ones that are entering into eternity where time isn't the big issue and we enter actually into an eternal day. Now, I'm going to uh, ask you again, why do you do this in the middle of your service? Why is it there? Uh, uh, is it because it puts Jesus right in the middle of your service? If so, I think that's terribly appropriate. Or why, why is it put there? Is there a reason for this? Well, I think you answered your own question, you know, to, to highlight the fact that, you know, Jesus is the focus. Jesus is everything. Jesus is the reason. And you're going to start your day. And that's how we're going to start our day. You're going to finish your old day with Jesus, and you're going to start your new day with Jesus. That's right. Now, uh, because we, I'd like to get at least one more piece of music on here so that the listeners get an opportunity to hear Orthodox Christian Church music, uh, most of whom have never heard it. Let's get, what, what else can you show us in terms of Orthodox Christian music? This is a baptismal hymn. Obviously, the hymn is taken from uh, one of St. Paul's uh, letters, All Who Have Been Baptized Into Christ to Put on Christ. It's our baptismal hymn, and when we baptize somebody, we sing this hymn. That's a part of the service.
Father John, that sounds like scripture just being sung. Do you, do you sing scripture? Is, uh, and do where we, does this fit? You mean do we do scripture songs? <laughs> we do. We do all the time. This is a baptismal hymn, and not only that, but on the major uh, feast days of the year, which anciently was when most of the baptisms took place, we, we sing this hymn. We sing it at, at uh, Epiphany and Pentecost, you know, all the big days of the year we sing this. So it's a very important and very meaningful hymn to us. The song you just played for us, that is just Scripture only. Yes. And uh, if I'm not mistaken... And uh, you, you actually know much more about the music of the Orthodox Church than I do. If I'm not mistaken, many of the hymns that we do are just Scripture only. Uh, now, but that, that, that doesn't mean that we feel that's the only legitimate hymnody uh, for, for the church to use. But that is an issue, is it not? That well, not- like the, the, you know, we were talking about these four themes of Vespers, and we got through three of them. You know, but the, you know, the first one, um, uh, where we s- sing, we either read or sing Psalm uh, 104, be 103 in the Septuagint. I don't want to confuse people, but, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God, thou art very great. So that's just straight scripture. And then the, O Lord, I have cried, where we acknowledge the fall of man and we seek repentance and, and turning back towards God. Straight scripture out of the Psalms. And then, O Gladsome Light is an ancient Christian hymn that's based on the scriptures. It's not straight scripture. But then the fourth and final theme is looking towards the end and the culmination of the age. And, and what we do is we sing, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. The song of St. Simeon or, or the canticle of St. Simeon. Straight scripture right out of the Gospel of Luke. Now, as long as we're at this point, because I think this is crucial very often, the, uh, a criticism of Orthodox Christians is that we don't do a great deal of teaching. I would maintain, quite to the contrary, that we just do a very biblical type of teaching because St. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Does that relate to the experience you described on your train trip from, uh, from Santa Barbara to San Diego? Can you relate uh, Christian music and teaching? Well, a- absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, another thought that, that crosses my mind, you know, maybe somebody says we don't, we don't teach that much. You know, how much do you think we would be teaching in the United States if we had a gun to our head saying, you know, if you teach the Christian faith, you're going to be put in prison or you're going to be killed? You know, and this is what happened in Russia in the 20th century. You know, people were threatened with their lives and, 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 and the church continued to thrive underground. And as soon as the communist yoke dropped, in 1989, it exploded because it, it because of the the latent power that was always there. They and never could make them stop their hymnody, could they? No, they couldn't. They could make them stop teaching. They could make them stop preaching, but they couldn't make them stop singing. They just didn't know that the singing was preaching. You know that. See, we have this uh, phrase in our church, this axiom. And it's a, the, the axiom is often quoted in Latin, lex orande, lex est credendi, uh, which means the rule of prayer is the rule of faith, or even put it in more colloquial terms, we pray what we believe and we believe what we pray. And so even if we can't teach in a classroom style or lecture style, if we just go to church and pray and sing and pay attention, we are being taught the faith. You're listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour coming to you from St. Anthony Antiochian Orthodox Church in San Diego. We've been interviewing today Father John Finley with the Department of Missions and Evangelism of the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, a musician and a longtime friend. Thank you, Father John, for giving us your insights in regard to worship and music. We're going to have to have you back again because this is an issue. People are interested in music and worship these days. It is not a small thing. 
So thank you once again. You've been listening to the Orthodox Christian Hour, brought to you by St. Anthony Orthodox Christian Church, 4321 Eastgate Mall, La Jolla, just three blocks north of University Town Center on Genesee. Father John can be heard each Sunday, noon to 1 p.m. on KPRZ, and you're cordially invited to hear Father John in person, Sundays, 9.30 a.m. at St. Anthony Church, 4321 Eastgate Mall in La Jolla. We'd love to hear from you about your questions and concerns. Just call St. Anthony at 858-458-0992. That number again is 858-458-0992. As always, thanks to all of you for being with us today on the Orthodox Christian Hour. Father, give us your blessing. May the blessing of the Lord and his mercy come upon you through his grace and love for mankind always, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.